You know, that's exactly what the Lord wants for you. He wants to be all you need. He wants to be all you want. He wants to be all that you desire. He wants to offer to you life and life more abundantly. He He wants to offer you life to the fullest. And he wants this for every single one of you who claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ, who claims to be in the family of Christ. That's what he wants for you. And I believe in my heart that that's what you want as well. That's the longing in every heart. The longing in the heart of every believer is to know what it is to experience that victorious Christian life where truly in my heart of hearts I can say the Lord is all I need. The Lord is all I want. The Lord is truly my desire. And I long to draw near to him knowing he'll draw near to me. Well, the church at Galatia was at a crossroads. A new church, a young church, showing such promise. But when we read through the epistle to the Galatians, we realize there was a critical crossroads. Which way would the church go? Would it embrace the freedom that Christ was bringing, that he died to graciously give? Would they turn from trying to fix their flesh with religious rituals or feeding their flesh with unrestrained living? And would they turn to loving the Lord with all of their hearts and all of their mind and all of their soul and all of their strength and turn to loving their neighbors as themselves through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit? If not... And if, as he pointed out, they kept biting and devouring each other, if they kept cannibalizing the church, the church would be doomed. Now, if any of you know anything a little bit more about geography than Pastor Duane, you will know that Galatia is nestled in the very center of Turkey. So in terms of a report card on how did they do For any of you who know anything about that region of the world, you will know they didn't do very well. Not much Christianity is operating in the land of Turkey. In fact, in the Galatian region, for the most part, it's a form of secular Islam. The church, you see, rejected his warning, as it would appear, and kept feeding their flesh or feeding on their flesh, or feeding on each other. Claiming to have Christ, but mostly ignoring him. Now what we want to say is that would never happen to us. Could never happen in Canada, surely. Never in North America would the witness of the church of Jesus Christ become scarce. Could never happen to me. Most of us would think that it could never happen in Europe. There's a lot of um, journal articles and blogs and, and newswire service articles on the state of the church in Europe. Just Google the church in Europe and you will come up with all kinds of different articles. I'll just uh, pick out a couple of things to mention to you about the state of affairs in terms of the church in Europe. Presently, there are 
right now more practicing Muslims than practicing Christians in many parts of Europe today. Islam is replacing Christianity as the dominant religion in Europe. In Germany, for instance, more than 400 Roman Catholic churches and more than 100 Protestant churches have been closed since 2000. 500 churches. And another 700 Roman Catholic churches are scheduled to be closed in the next several years. By contrast, more than 200 mosques, including 40 mega-mosques, 2,600 prayer halls, and countless numbers of unofficial mosques are presently operating in Germany. And there's another 128 mosques presently under construction. In neighboring France, the total number of mosques has doubled to more than 2,000 in the past 10 years and is slated to double again to 4,000 shortly. The Roman Catholic Church in France, meanwhile, has built only 20 new churches and has formally closed 60. Islam is well on its way to overtaking Roman Catholicism as the dominant religion in France. In Britain, Islam has already just recently nudged past the Church of England in terms of attendance in, in, in Britain. There are now 930,000 Muslims attending mosques in Britain. 10,000 churches have been closed in Britain since 1960. 8,000 Methodist and 1,700 Church of England. And there's another 4,000 churches scheduled to be closed by 2020. There are now 1,700 official mosques in Britain. There's estimated to be 2,000 more prayer halls and unknown thousands of unofficial mosques. So that's over there. Apparently, uh, the rate is that two churches per week are being converted to mosques in Europe, even as we speak. But how can it touch here? Well, a year and a half ago, in Durham Region, Curtis Fellowship Baptist Church became a Muslim prayer hall. It is happening here. And it is happening to us. Who would have thought? And I haven't heard of any Christians starting churches in formerly abandoned mosques. So we are in a war, not with Islam, with our sin, the sinful state of our hearts is giving way to the warning that the Apostle Paul brought. So what's the answer? Paul says, I'll tell you the answer. Walk in the Spirit. Would you turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, please? Walk in the Spirit. Keep walking in the Spirit. So far we have talked about freedom and what freedom is. Last week we talked again about it. Freedom is the fact that when we came to faith in Christ, we were cut loose from the enslavement to our sin. We were loosened from our, ourselves and, our, and, and the dominant force and power of Satan over our lives. These things have been given to us. Every benefit has been granted to us in Christ Jesus. Every blessing in Christ is available to us. But today I want to share with you, as I promised to you last week, how to live this freedom out. How can we 
uh, take advantage of this freedom in practical, in the practical reality of what the scriptures say to us here. And so I want to present to you this mission that the Apostle Paul writes to us in these three verses, 16, 17, and 18 this morning. So I say, he says, live by the Spirit or keep on walking by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. This is the word of Christ. Our Father, this morning as we have our Bibles open before you, we have our hearts spread open, inviting you to change us, to help us, To instruct us, Father, I pray that you would um, uh, insulate us from the distractions of the evil one who would desire to take this truth away from us. And I pray, Father, that we would uh, soak it up like a uh, dry, thirsty land. I pray, Father, that that as a deer is panting for a a, a fresh brook, that, Father, we would uh, come to your word with an enthusiasm, with a great desire. Lord, you, you have presented to us that that you present yourself to your people if they seek you with all of their hearts. Lord, uh, we want all of you. We want you to be our great desire. We want you to be our great want, Lord. And I pray that you would teach us and instruct us and motivate us, cause us, Lord, to want this in our lives because you have given us your son who died on the cross that we might benefit from all of these things. And live life to the full, to the max, Lord. I pray that we would want nothing less than this in our lives. Through your power and presence, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So how to live free this morning. The war for you. This war is raging every day of your lives. The mission... That Christ is on, the mission that the Holy Spirit is on in our lives is freedom from your old you. And that's just simply code for flesh or code for sinful nature. And my understanding of this, by the way, as sort of an introductory statement, is that this battle will rage until the Lord takes you home or until he comes to get you. Uh, even though you'll read texts, and we, I don't want to get ahead of myself, you'll read texts like we, we have been crucified with Christ, we know that, and, and that we have crucified, it says down in verse 24, we have crucified the sinful nature um, with its passions and desires. The simple reality is, yes, we have, positionally, positionally, in every possible way, God has made it possible for us to live victory over our sinfulness. But in practice... This is the ongoing transforming work of which the Spirit of God is fully engaged in your life if you want to cooperate with what He wants to do in your life. That's what we want to talk about today. The critical church crossroad for Paul is a critical, is a critical personal crossroad for you. Are you going to continue to live in a state of devouring and destroying people around you and relationships and things around you, which in fact is a demonstration of emptiness in your life and is characteristic and, and, and according to the nature of the evil one who desires to keep pulling you away from Christ, who is the one who kills, steals, and destroys. 
or will you, desire in your heart of hearts the best for one another and be a builder of people. That's the modus operandi of Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, who loved us and died for us, wanting the best for us. Every day of our lives, he wants us to have life and have it how? To the fullest. What that means is that that God wants to shape your life in such a way that every day of your life, you desire what is best for your family. Every day of your life, you desire what is best for the, the, the neighbor beside you. Every day of your life, you desire what is best for your spouse. Every day of your life, you desire what is best for the people who work around you. Every day of your life, you you desire the best for your brothers and sisters in Christ in this church. And this is not some sort of fantasy dream. Wouldn't that be a a kumbaya world? Wouldn't it be wonderful? We could all give each other a big group hug and all love and live ever after, happily ever after. No, this this is real stuff. This is really what Jesus wants for us. This is not some sort of... Uh, unreachable target. This is actually what Christ has in mind for us. This is what his death accomplished at the cross, his death and resurrection. Christ's vision for you is to move from your self-centered, sinful, self-righteous style of living to be Christ-centered, others-focused, and righteous. Christianity isn't simply a free ride into heaven. It's a complete personal makeover in preparation for heaven. When Christ gave his great commission, he didn't ask us to go out and try to find people who would make decisions for Jesus. He went and asked us to go and make people who would be disciples of Christ. And this is the disciple formula that we're talking about. The mission is freedom from you. And so the Apostle Paul says to them, in this freedom, what the Lord Jesus Christ is anticipating from you is that you will love your neighbor as yourself. Now that took the the standard, the measurement, (laughs) off the scale. Say, well, wait a second, that was, was that a new idea you just got out of the air? No, that wasn't a new idea. That, that was always to be the formula of people who call themselves the people of God. The Apostle Paul didn't lift that out of the air. He lifted that out of the Scriptures. In Leviticus 19, verse 18, love your neighbor as yourself. It was always a formula expected by God of the people who called themselves the people of God. You say, well, why then is there so little of that in the context of the people of God. Well, think about it again. Run it by yourself again in case. I mean, it comes off the tongue really easy. Oh, yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. Love my neighbor as myself. I'm not sure I want to do that. That's love my neighbor. You know, when I came in this morning, I parked as close as I could to this building. Because I wanted to be here. I didn't care. I didn't want to love you so much I go park in the back 40 out in the gravel. I didn't drive, actually. I came as a passenger. And the guy who drove me didn't park close to the building either. 
You know why? The problem is this whole deal is mission impossible because the old you fights to stay in charge. It says in the text, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. The simple truth is this. It's true of me and it's true of you. I prefer to gratify my sinful desires. That's how we are wired. That's our, that's our nature, our fallen nature. And it's at complete odds to what God really wants to do in our lives. It says right in the text, it's at conflict. I want, I prefer to, do, to, to gratify my sinful desires. I'm quite happy to go on sinning. But God doesn't want me to sin. God's not happy about sin. And so we have this conflict in our lives. And day in and day out it rages. This war rages in your life. So I'm here to tell you this morning that if you were sitting here saying, man, I got this conflict in my life, but I'm feeling like a pygmy Christian. No, no, it's a good thing if you have this conflict in your life. It proves that something's going on spiritual in your life. People who don't have that, they're not waging a conflict here. They don't have any sense of God in their life at all. They're just giving full vent to their sinful nature. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in here that, that I, I don't do what I, I want to do. Listen, look, listen what he says here as you go on through verse 17. They are in conflict each other, with each other so that you do not do what you want. What I really want to do is gratify my sinful nature. And when I, when I hear a command like, love my neighbor as myself, thinking like, this is hopeless. I'll never get there. I've been trying this. It's too hard. You're telling me that that God wants me to be free to desire and seek the happiness of people around me? Yeah, that's exactly what he has in mind. Can you think about what our relationships would be like if that were so in our lives? That our sole desire, waking up every morning, looking over at the person laying beside you, is like, you know what? My sole desire today is to make her happy. And joyful. Or him. Depending on what gender you are. Many of you are saying, make them happy. Man, it was just like all I could get do to get out of bed this morning and get here. And then the fight we had on the way to church with the kids. I'll tell you, I want their happiness. I'll tell you what their happiness is. I just like to give them a knuckle sandwich. That's what the happiness I'd like to give for them. The call in our lives is to bring glory to God. And what we really want to do is have enjoyment for ourselves. The call in our lives is to be Christ-centered. And what I really naturally gravitate toward is self-centeredness. 
And so the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans was reviewing this as well. And he said, who will rescue us from this body of death? I know what I should want to do. And I know what I really want to do, but I battle to do the things that I don't want to do. And who's going to save me from this conflict in my life? Because I'm giving over so much, so often, to the sinful desires, gratifying that. Why? Who's going to help me with this? And I think the Apostle Paul, like, waved a white flag in his life. He said, I give up. I've been trying to do this. And he writes to the um, Galatians this. He says, live by the Spirit. You say, well, you know what? That's, that's what I think I've been trying to do, but I don't really know what that is. I don't really get it. It's a, it's a phrase. What does it mean? Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. All those Spirit things. I, I hear it. I've read it. I want it, I guess, because I need help. What is it? We want to believe that we have Jesus for eternal life. But day to day, we try to manage our lives in our own strength. Let me just ask you something. How did you get saved? Wasn't it when you finally came to the place in your life where you said, I can't do this. I, I can't live my life I, I, on myself. I can't manage my life. I'm just making a big mess of it. And somewhere along the line, you came to a place of surrendering your pride and trusting Jesus to do what you couldn't do, which is to rescue you and save you. Isn't that how it was done? By faith, believing that Jesus died on a cross, he died for our sins and was raised again, and that by faith we could trust him and believe in him and that he would save us. And we came to a place where we realized, I can't save myself. I can't make myself right before God. And so I have to trust in Christ, in Christ to do that in me. And he saved you. And then for way too many of us, That's basically the last time we really trusted and relied in Christ. So, well, I got that taken care of. He saved me now. And now I'm going to go on and just try to live a really good life. And here we find ourselves in the battle, failing miserably, gratifying our sinful nature over and over again, feeling defeated, looking at other people saying, where's the abundant life that Jesus promised Where's, where's the abundant life in our, in our marriage? Where's the abundant life in our family? Where's the abundant life in our church relationships? What happened there? Why are we devouring each other? Why are we cannibalizing the church? I think what um, it really boils down to, if we really look at this and think it through logically... What we really need is a way to want what God wants for me. Because when I read this, I realize that I'm at conflict. My natural desires are in conflict. My fallen desires are in conflict with God. And I get into trouble when I do what I want to do. So what I really need in my life is a change that enables me to want what God wants in my life. That's how the victory is won. 
And how does that work? Without exception, everywhere in the scriptures, but particularly as I want to zero in in Galatians, there is a clear formula to how this works. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, if we look back there, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now listen, this is the phrase I want you to pay attention to very carefully. The life I live in the body, I live how? Well, are you wondering? How? Let me hear it. By faith. You get paid to preach. We don't get paid to shout back at you. I need to hear you guys preach once in a while. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see that phrase? This is it. I live by faith in the Son of God. Now, what is the definition of faith? It is not simply believing in God. It is that. Faith is believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Throughout all of this letter, Galatians 3.5, Galatians 3.23, Galatians 5.5, Galatians 5.6, in addition to 2.20, it zeroes in on this reversal formula, the only one known to mankind. It is by faith. Choosing to trust, choosing to actually believe God for what he says. Now, how does this work? Paul says, what you need to do is keep on walking in the Spirit. Now, this first verse, in verse 16, is a command and a promise. A command with a promise. Regularly in the Scriptures, you have them laid out that way. God puts forth a command and he gives a promise in obedience to that command. If you do this, this is what you get. Now, here's the winner. Here's the winner verse for you. Look look at it again. We read over it. We just kind of breezed over it. But this is the verse that will tell you what the victory code is all about. Look at it. So I say... Keep on walking by the Spirit. And here, that's the command. Keep on walking by the Spirit. Present tense. Every second of your life. You can never afford to give a let up on this. And if you do, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So how do I win this war? That's how you win the war. Every day, every second, every minute, I am consciously practicing the present walk in the Spirit. And if I do, the fallen desires that we all confess to each other, we have, become less and less. I will not operate. I will not choose to operate in there. Now, salvation is a momentous takeover, and we are freed. 
But this growing process, this sanctification, this becoming transformed, this freedom realized is a daily overtaking by faith. It is waking up every day and believing that God means what he promises. That's what living by faith is. It's actually believing God. I mean, often we're just not embracing the nature of faith and what it really is. It's actually taking God at his word. It's saying God says this, I will enact it in my life, and if I enact this in my life, I will get the, the, the effect of the promises that God has offered. It's actually taking him at his word and saying, I'm going to put this into practice in my life. I'm tired of gratifying my sinful nature. I'm tired of living that way. I, I'm tired of, of, of biting somebody's head off every time something goes wrong. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of living in a constant rage. I'm tired of being an unforgiving person. I'm tired of living that way. I'm tired of having all the relationships around me so messed up. Surely Jesus had something better in mind for me than that. Yes, he does. He has walking in the spirit every day of your life by faith, believing that what God says he means. And if you, in fact, take God at his word and enact the commands of God in your life, he will grant to you the promises so that if I daily walk in the presence of the spirit of God, conscious of and aware of his presence, abiding by his word, obeying his word, I will not gratify the sinful desires of my life. Try it. This is put before us as a way to live. As Piper puts it, it's developing a heart that is happy only in God. Major Thomas in his book, the, um, um, I can't remember the name of it, it's The Sanctifying Life or something like that, writes this, all the Father... All the Father was available to the Son because all the Son was available to the Father. That's what lead looks like. It's today. If I hear God's word on a matter, I I will believe it. I will immediately enact it in my life. I will trust God for the results that he has promised. And I will live in a way that's not in conflict with him. Because I will be living according to what he wants. The degree to which my flesh loses its dominant position in my life is determined by my willingness to live a life of constant repentance. It means I look at the word of God and I say, I have to change my mind. I I need God to change my mind on this. I was wanting to do this. I was wanting to act this way. I was wanting to choose this. But as I read God's word, he wants me to do this. And so it's an act of repentance that says, I've been doing that. I've got to do this. And the degree to which your flesh will be unseated from the throne of your life is the degree to which you will wake up each day and commit yourself to trusting, that, that, trusting God that if I do what he tells me to do, it will go very well for me. He's not trying to hide this from us. This is not unusual theology to you. This is not a surprise to you at all. This is not something that you haven't heard. But I'm sensing that believers who are not living a victorious Christian life have got a lot of theological terminology wafting around in their heads. But they've never connected the fact that if I actually act 
in faith on what God says, he will give me his promise. Now that presupposes that you are actively engaged in the word of God and knowing what he's commanded and knowing what he's promised in obedience to his command. This is crucial for our lives. That's, what walk, that's why it's put in the present tense. It's a present tense command. It's not walk in the spirit today and then take five days off. You do that, that means you've got five days of catch-up to do because you're going to gratify the sinful nature for those next five days. It means not trusting yourself one inch. I can't trust myself. I can't trust in myself. And, and the truth of the matter is, when we are shocked at our sinfulness, which is good in one sense, but it's not good in another. Because by being shocked in our, sinful, in our sinfulness, we have a, a sense of pride about ourselves that says, I should be able to be better than that. I should be able to buckle down and discipline myself better than that. I've got all kinds of accountability. I've got all kinds of software on my computer We're not talking, folks, about fixing a a diet. This is not about self-discipline. This is about something that you can't possibly do in your own strength. And so I can tell you who isn't shocked when you sin. The living God. He expects that you're going to sin if you're not trusting to him, not relying on him, not walking moment by moment in his presence. If I take five minutes off, I'm a sinful, rotten person. Nothing good dwells in me. I want to align my mind with Christ all the time. I want to trust in him. I want to live by faith in him. You will walk by the Spirit when you hear the words of God and you trust them to make true in you what God has promised. By faith, seeking Christ to fill you and his promises to be your joy. It presupposes that, of course. You know, what this really depends on is that you want to get out of this thing, this mess. Because when you look at the promise, you have to say, I want that for my life. Do you want for your life to no longer gratify the desires of your sinful nature? I won't look for a show of hands, but I I want that in my life. I don't ever, ever again want to gratify the desires of my sinful nature. Not ever again. So how can that happen in my life? I have to presently keep walking in the Spirit by faith, trusting Him moment by moment to do what I can't do because I'm not powerful enough. Not by might, not by strength, Old Testament, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not just the Lord, but the Lord Almighty, Zechariah 4, 6. I'm not Almighty. He is. Let me close this morning by giving you a basic example of what this looks like. And this works for anything. I I could give you a list of when you're lonely, when you're guilty, when you're jealous, when you're angry, when you're um, bitter, when you're unforgiving, when you've been unjustly treated, when you feel purposeless, when you're unloved, when you're unwanted, when you're abused. Whatever situation. And we'll just pick one. The situation of 
of being mistreated. That happens in your life, I'm sure, on a regular basis. Now, you're at a crossroad moment right there. You've been mistreated. And the question is, how am I going to embrace the victorious Christian life? There are two ways I can go on this. When I am mistreated, my immediate reaction, my immediate sinful nature reaction, my, which I want to gratify, is I want to get even with that person. I want to mess up their life. I want to do something really nasty to them. That's what I want to do. And if I do that, I am gratifying my sinful nature moving in this direction, and I will be sinning in a matter of moments. On the other hand, I can at that moment decide to be like Christ by faith. Trusting in the commands of Christ. And what are the commands of Christ when we've been mistreated? Forgive. So if I forgive, what happens to me? What's the promise of those who forgive? Forgive and you will be forgiven. Anybody in here need that? I need that multiple times a day. Lord God, please forgive me. Now it says in the word of God in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I can tell you this, that if you're walking around in a state of unforgiveness, that verse, you're not getting that promise. God is not going to forgive you. So at that moment, I can choose to gratify my sinful nature and just like, wow. Or I can say, wait a second. By faith, I am going to trust that what God says to do in this circumstance is the way to live. And that it will be beneficial to me and others if I do. And so I am going to look to God and his power. Oh, God, help me forgive, to forgive. And I choose to forgive. I enact that in my life. I am forgiven. And now I have said, I'm a long way away from gratifying the sinful desires of my flesh. That's the victorious Christian life. That's how it works. It's choosing presently, every moment, because sin and stuff and trouble is being flung at you all the time. You don't even know where it's coming from. It's going to, before you get out of this building, something bizarre is going to hit you. And in this moment, it is, will I trust Jesus Christ and his word and the promises that come along with his word, or will I go on gratifying my sinful nature? Does this conflict ever end? I don't think so. I think we are every day of our lives in this battle. Do we enjoy the transforming work of the Holy Spirit and sin less? Yes, we do. As you trust in God. Trust in Him with all your heart. What does it say in the Word of God? Does it say that? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And what does it say? And He will make your paths straight. What does it say in Psalm 37, verse 4? Doesn't it say, 
delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, no longer the desires of the sinful nature. I don't really want to gratify my sinful nature. I, moment by moment, delight in the Lord, and I want his desires to be my desires. Brothers and sisters, every time you choose not to live by faith and you choose to live by the sinful nature, you pull yourself further and further away from the spirit-filled life, from the life of victory. And I'm urging you, I'm begging you in here, I'm begging us as a church, because quite frankly, it seems to me that this is where the rubber hits the road of whether a church continues to exist and multiply itself and honor the name of Christ in our culture. It does no good for us to wring our hands and read blogs and journals about how the church is failing around the world and then live in our own personal lives failing the Lord. We're just part of the problem. When Jesus Christ gave his life to die on the cross that we might experience this victorious living, this life abundant. So I'm telling you, there's something in each of our lives, even today, that's just thorny, it's nasty, it's, it's a relationship mess, it's something that was gratifying the sinful nature instead of choosing to live by faith in Christ. Put that to the Lord. Let him repair that in your life. Let's not bite and devour each other. Let's honor Jesus Christ by walking in the Spirit. That's how we honor the freedom that he's granted to us. Remember what we said last week. You fight your flesh with the freedom that he has granted to us at salvation. But you fight for freedom by faith. There's no other way to do this. Trusting in him. Our Father, I just pray this morning for us. I pray for us. I pray, Lord, because we're sinful. We're bypassing the amazing blessings of Christ. We are messing up our relationships. We're biting and devouring each other, cannibalizing the church. We become a joke to the people outside of faith. And all around us, Lord, there are other more, apparently more powerful uh, movements of people that are winning the day. Secularism, Islam, Eastern religions. You're the champion of the universe, Lord. And your people are to be victorious. But Father, we are not living by faith. We are gratifying our flesh. Oh God, we repent this morning. You know, as our heads are bowed this morning, as I pray, I just wonder if there's some out there who would just say, would you pray for me, Rick, because um, this is resonating with me. I am really sick of living this way, and I want to know what it is to have life by faith, gaining victory over the things that formerly I was giving into. And I... I know that I haven't been walking in the Spirit the way you've described it. I know I've been living by faith. And I want to trust in God afresh today to do a new work in my life. Does anybody just slip up your hand? We're not embarrassing anybody. Just so I can just pray for this group of people who I love here so much this morning. Because we're, we're fellow journeyers in this. We, we got to get this right. 
God will pour out his blessing if we get this right. We've got to get this right. Not only in our own lives, but into our community. Why is there such a scarcity of people coming to Christ? And it's because of our sin. Because we're living in our selfishness instead of in the, by faith in Christ. Lord, you see the hands that are up here this morning. God, we give them over to you. Give ourselves over, Lord. We're, we're standing before you. We are, we are open before you. You see everything. We are an open book. You know our lives. You know what needs to be done. So, Father, by faith, we're trusting in you. We give ourselves afresh to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, you know this really is about lifting the name of the Lord higher in our life, higher than our sinful desires. Hudson Taylor, that great missionary statesman to China, was once brought some news that there was a riot that had broke out near one of his mission state stations. I know what I would have wanted to do at that moment, but it was later on in that day that the, uh, one of his evangelist partners walked by him and heard him whistling a familiar song, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. That's what this is all about, this victorious Christian living. It is by faith, so trusting God's promises, that whatever the crazy circumstances and flurry of evil activity encompasses me, I rest, rest in the joy of who Jesus is and what he is to me. And I act on his promises by faith. That's what this is all about. Let's walk in the spirit. And we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Our Father, thank you for this powerful promise to us. Not something that's too far for us. Not something that's away from us. It certainly is something that's too hard for us. But that's because we need help. We need to walk in the Spirit, not walk in our own flesh. So I pray, God, that you would give us a new sense of repentance in our hearts and a willingness to say, Lord, not I, but Christ. I am yours. 100%. Change my life. Change my mind. Grow me to... Turn away from the desires of my sinful nature and by faith, trust your commands and the promises that go with them. For Jesus' sake, amen. You know, this really is about lifting the name of the Lord higher in our life, higher than our sinful desires. Hudson Taylor, that great missionary statesman to China, was once brought some news that there was a riot that had broke out near one of his mission state stations. I know what I would have wanted to do at that moment. But it was later on in that day that the, uh, one of his evangelist partners walked by him and heard him whistling a familiar song, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. That's what this is all about, this victorious Christian living. It is by faith, so trusting God's promises, that whatever the crazy circumstances and flurry of evil activity encompasses me, I rest, rest 
in the joy of who Jesus is and what he is to me. And I act on his promises by faith. That's what this is all about. Let's walk in the spirit. And we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Our Father, thank you for this powerful promise to us. Not something that's too far for us. Not something that's away from us. It certainly is something that's too hard for us. But that's because we need help. We need to walk in the spirit, not walk in our own flesh. So I pray, God, that you would give us a new sense of repentance in our hearts and a willingness to say, Lord, not I, but Christ. I am yours, 100%. Change my life. Change my mind. Grow me to turn away from the desires of my sinful nature and by faith trust your commands and the promises that go with them. For Jesus' sake, amen.